Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm your host today, Aaron Schlein from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Sacramento District. Today's episode of Inside the Castle is part of a series focused on career development within the Army Corps of Engineers. The goal for this series is simple share proven skills and strategies to help our USACE teammates move their careers and the nation forward. Today's episode is part two of our series about feedback. Nope, nope, still not that kind of feedback. In case you missed our last career development episode, I'm talking about the feedback that lets us know what our strengths are and where our weaknesses lie. Feedback helps keep us balanced and makes us better professionals and better humans. That is if we let it. But where does that good feedback come from and what do we do with it? In the last episode, we talked about ways to solicit feedback, and today we're going to talk about what to do with that feedback after we get it. To be clear, today's discussion centers more around interpersonal feedback, as opposed to the type of feedback and criticism we endure through the process of having our work products reviewed. Although I do have some advice about that too. Actually, I'm going to replay a clip from a previous episode of Inside the Castle that I think pretty much says it all. This is Jesse Morrill Winter from the Flood Risk Management Planning Center of Expertise talking about review comments and best practices for not taking them too personally. Don't be personally tied to your work. If someone's giving you review comments or feedback, we don't always deliver those in a way that lands nicely, right? We have various levels of how connected we are to our work at a personal level. Learn how to accept commentary for what it is. The, the goal here is, is never about one individual. It's about all of us getting to a decision that improves society. As we get started here, I'd like to offer my heartfelt thanks to all of the Inside the Castle listeners who took the time to share your generous feedback with us. In the last episode, I told you about a Microsoft form that I put together to allow our listeners to share their thoughts about the show and to let us know how we can do a better job at serving you. If you didn't get a chance to share your thoughts with us, I'm going to leave that survey open all the way through the end of March. Once again, there's a link in the episode description in your podcast player. It's going to take you straight to that form, and we would still love to hear from you. Again, I'm going to keep that survey open through the end of March, but I wouldn't wait till the last minute. As a professional and as a human being, One of the best gifts you can receive is honest, genuine feedback. And in this episode, I'm going to share a system for accepting constructive criticism that will ensure that you don't waste that gift. Much like a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club, honest feedback isn't always a pleasant gift to receive. But just like the Jelly Club, honest feedback is a gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) 
When you're lucky enough to receive honest, constructive criticism, it's tempting to respond in one of these following two extremes. Extreme number one, I call it the take a hike approach. Someone offers you feedback that elicits less than a warm and fuzzy feeling, and we respond with, hey, who the heck are you? This is my life. You don't know anything about me. Nobody's going to tell me how to do my life. That's number one. Extreme response number two, I call the chameleon. And that's where you change everything immediately just to please your critics. Oh, wait, somebody doesn't like something about my work or, or worse, somebody doesn't like something about me. I must change immediately, perish the thought of someone not liking me. So which of these responses is the most appropriate? And the answer, of course, is it depends, as unsatisfying as that might be. Now, sometimes you simply must tell people to take a hike as politely as possible, of course. And sometimes you do need to make a quick and decisive change. Other times, and I could argue most times, you're somewhere in the middle. Now, my recent experience with the listener survey brought my attention to the importance of having a system for processing feedback. Now, to help you better evaluate feedback, I'd like to share the following simple framework for taking constructive criticism and either incorporating it or ignoring it. Step number one is to get clear about your core values. These are called core values for a reason. They are part of your soul. Violating your core values in response to even the most constructive criticism will leave you feeling like a fraud or a sellout. That's how deep-rooted these values are. Define them and define them clearly. When your core values are crystal clear, you may then assume that everything else is negotiable. Apart from your core values, you must be willing to rethink your approach, your actions, and how you communicate based on honest feedback from those who are generous enough to share it with you. However, just because you're willing to rethink something doesn't mean you have to make a change. Step number two in taking and processing constructive criticism. After you've determined your core values, you need to determine the impact on those core values. Does the feedback that you received ask you to do something that goes against those core values? Ask yourself the following questions. How do I feel about making the requested change? That's simple enough. Would making the change help me do a better job of serving the people who count on me? And the third one's perhaps my favorite. Am I selling out my own core values to satisfy someone else's? If you determine that making change would violate your core values, then you are done. You say thanks, but no thanks. And you stay the course with gratitude. Step three is to determine the impact on your audience. Step three only comes into play after you've determined that making a change based on negative feedback won't violate your core values. Making changes is now negotiable, 
But just because something is negotiable doesn't mean you should be quick to move out. Perhaps the most important thing to consider at this point is the divisiveness of the issue that you receive negative feedback about. Does the issue elicit equally strong opinions on the positive side? Would making the requested change dilute your message in a way that will turn off your biggest supporters? If you can make a simple change to please the masses without alienating your biggest fans, then go for it. But otherwise, proceed with caution, because the more divisive the issue, the more carefully you should consider the implications of making a change. Imagine a frighteningly loud, chest-pounding, ear-splitting heavy metal band. Such a band is likely to repel most people. However, the people who love that band, they love that band. And they love them for all the reasons that most people hate them. If this band were to tone down its sound just to please the masses, what impact do you think that would have on its most loyal fans? Exactly. All right, now on to our real world example. The rest of this episode is a walkthrough of our three-step process for taking constructive criticism, and we're going to put that into action. First, I want to take a moment to acknowledge and to share some of that generous feedback we received in response to our listener survey. Then I'm going to break down some of that feedback using our three-step process. Here are just a few of the items that we received in response to our listener survey. Some of them are positive. Some of them are not so positive. Some of them are just downright fun. Item number one. I'd like to hear more interviews with professionals from the administration, like the Office of Management and Budget and the Assistant Secretary of the Army, Civil Works, and the Council on Environmental Quality. And the listener acknowledges that this may be an impossible ask, but nothing's impossible in this world. So thank you for that feedback. And you just never know who might turn up as the next guest on Inside the Castle. Feedback item number two. I prefer candid discussion and unique viewpoints of USACE employees, as opposed to things that might be more of a USACE pamphlet for the public. And here's the fun one. Aaron Schlein's narration and hosting of podcasts is phenomenal. He should be a permanent host and podcast developer. Hey, thanks mom for participating in the survey. Love you. Item number four. I enjoy hearing about people's backgrounds, but not necessarily their professional background and the number of years that they've been with the Corps, but I do enjoy hearing something about them that I wouldn't otherwise know. Feedback item number five. Some of the people being interviewed are using too many acronyms and detailed info that may not be easily understandable to people outside the Corps. And finally here, item number six. I wish there was a way to make the podcast appear more inclusive. The title alone can seem like there's an intentional great divide between those who work for the core and those who don't. All right. For the remainder of this discussion, let's take a closer look at those final two pieces of feedback, which both focus on elements of inclusivity or a perceived lack of it. Using our process for taking constructive feedback, let's look at the impact on our core values. Would the core values of the show completely unravel 
if we asked our guests to spell out some acronyms and avoid insider jargon? In my view, the answer is maybe. And the reason it's a maybe goes back to that heavy metal band analogy, because we have to ask ourselves, who is our target audience and how does a potential change affect them? If we make the podcast more accessible and palatable to outsiders, will it have the same effect on our core audience as if the world's loudest, most obnoxious heavy metal bands started wearing leisure suits and turned their amps down from 11 down to a gentler, more agreeable volume? If, in fact, the Inside the Castle podcast is for those hardcore insiders, then it may be appropriate for some of the content to not appeal to the casual podcast listener. Or, for the sake of discussion, let's assume that the target audience is broader and that it is important for the casual listener to be able to follow the content just as easily as the insiders. In that case, not only does working actively to make the show more inclusive not violate our core values, it actually gets us closer to those core values. And the opposite is true if our target audience is made up entirely of Army Corps of Engineers connoisseurs, if there were such a thing as U.S. Army Corps of Engineers connoisseurs. Oh, yeah! If the Inside the Castle mission was to provide straightforward content for an audience that was intimately familiar with the Corps of Engineers and its lavish alphabet soup of acronyms, then... We could be violating our core values if we went out of our way to make sure everyone on the planet knows what the heck we're talking about at all times. Now, those are two extremes. In my view, the target audience for Inside the Castle isn't Corps of Engineers insiders, nor is it all 8 billion people on planet Earth. According to podcastinsights.com, there are over 2 million podcasts out there in the world. Getting any one person to tune into your podcast is a feat in and of itself. Now, getting someone to tune in and offer genuine feedback about your podcast, that, my friend, is a rare and beautiful gift. So in our case, with our survey, we had multiple people who both listen to the show and take time out of their lives to respond to a listener survey. And they say that the show needs to do a better job at delivering more inclusive content. In my view, that speaks volumes. And it's also worth mentioning that all the people who commented on the show's inclusivity were, in fact, Corps of Engineers employees. In conclusion, taking constructive criticism is part of the gig when you're putting yourself out there on any kind of public display, and you got to know that you can't please everyone. But if you take the time to consider how you'll process any negative feedback that comes your way, and it will come, you're going to be more likely to make good decisions about whether to make changes or to stay the course. But positive or negative, always be grateful and be prepared for honest feedback. And having a framework for accepting and processing constructive criticism gives you an objective way to choose how to proceed. One final plug for the Inside the Castle listener survey. There's that link in the episode description in your podcast player that will take you directly to the survey. And maybe we'll talk about your feedback in a future episode. And if you want to reach out to me directly, you'll also find my email address at the top of the listener survey. Maybe you've got episode ideas. Maybe you have questions about the show or you just want to see if I'll respond 
please go ahead, email me at the address on the top of that Microsoft form that's linked in the episode description on your podcast player. Until next time, my friends, for Inside the Castle, this is Aaron Schlein signing off. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Revolutionary.